Greetings, Bethel community. I'm intern Monica Holman, and this week, the week of February 12th, 2023, we celebrate the sixth Sunday after Epiphany. A bit of preface here. So normally in this Simply the Sermon, I read the gospel lesson and then go into my sermon that focuses primarily on that reading. This week's gospel is Matthew 5, 21 through 37, which is part of Jesus's introductory speech in the book of Matthew that started with the Beatitudes and is still going. This part is called the Antitheses because it includes four of six examples of Jesus saying, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Now, this is a very important passage, a very difficult passage in a lot of ways, one that has actually led to harm for some people because it includes a statement about divorce. It's not one that should be ignored or avoided, and I had planned to talk today about how Jesus frames the law through these antitheses as not a set of rules meant for you to protect yourself for which you can slip through loopholes, but as a guide for living your life in a way that protects and shows concern for others around you. This passage deserves a long conversation that I know I or Pastor Russ would be open to if ever needed. But this week, the Holy Spirit had other plans and led me to the Old Testament passage for this week from Deuteronomy 30. This is another excerpt from another speech, not an introductory speech, but the farewell speech of Moses as he sums up the laws and teachings that he has imparted to the Israelites right before they enter the promised land. Both of these readings, as well as Psalm 119 and 1 Corinthians 3, deal with the importance of following God's ways throughout our lives. And that is what I'm going to dive into today. Okay, so here we go. A reading from Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. Moses said, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall certainly perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you all, wherever you may be and whenever you may be listening to this. So, see, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. I have a little quibble with the translators of the NRSV here, because the Hebrew says, I have set before you today life and goodness, death and evil. In English, prosperity and goodness 
are not necessarily the same things, at least not in today's society. And neither is adversity equal to evil, at least not the way we think of it, because in our society, prosperity tends to be associated with having things, tangible things like money and possessions, and adversity tends to be associated with poverty or a loss of things, of not being prosperous, of not having enough. This past weekend, I was in Anaheim for the annual conference of the National ELCA Youth Ministry Network, and the theme of the weekend was enough. During the five days of this event, over 550 participants attended general sessions with speakers, music, worship, and interactive experiences, and were offered dozens of workshops with titles like Sci-Fi Church or Adding Sunshine to Your Ministry, A Fresh Approach to Intergenerational Worship, or The Gift of Relationship, Empowering Preteens for Peer Ministry, or, the most popular by far, How to Build a New Kind of Church Without Getting Fired. Now, as part of the event's hospitality team, my role is to serve both participants and other organizers of the event. My team greets people, we provide them with opportunities and information about the event, we give them ways to connect with others, we make sure that nobody is left out or alone unless they want to be, in order to ensure that the weekend is one of joy and community rather than stress or loneliness. And one of the u- unique things about my job at this conference is that I get to see people as they first arrive. And this year, when these youth workers walked into the hotel, it was so very clear that they are tired. So very tired not just from long plane rides from all over the country, but from a year or two or three of decreasing budgets, increasing expectations, new technologies to learn, new fears to face, shrinking youth groups and rising demands from congregations that expect them to save the church with programs and events that worked well maybe when the church council members were young, but just don't anymore. And we youth workers often joke about that little line that's in every pastor or youth director's job description. It reads, other duties as assigned. And all of us who have been doing it for a while have stories about cleaning throw-up out of cars because of some car-sick child, sleeping on sanctuary floors for lock-ins, surviving for a week off of caffeine and red vines, learning Minecraft to connect with preteens, or having impromptu conversations about sex and relationships in the middle of a car ride or on gym floors during a mission trip. But lately, those duties are changing, and the expectations are becoming a lot more challenging. Trying to keep youth connected for a year or more over Zoom, offering pastoral care to kids and parents who had their worlds turned upside down by COVID, Pastors who were trained and called into youth ministry being thrust into the role of solo pastor due to deaths, resignations, or budget cuts. Navigating health and safety requirements that turn into angry political battles. And through it all, what we hear over and over, I can't do this. I'm not trained enough, equipped enough, am not enough for this. But today the scripture says, in what seems like a moment of 
toxic positivity. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. And when we hear that it is so easy to think, why would anybody choose otherwise? Why wouldn't anyone want to choose life? Isn't it an obvious choice? But then I remember the reasons why people have always been, as the passage says, led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them. It's always easy to follow God when everything is already good and prosperous, when all that life and goodness are readily available. But when it's not, then it's tempting. Tempting to look elsewhere for answers, for security, for insurance policies and quick fixes, and promises from other sorts, sources that faith in God isn't enough, that you need something tangible, something that you can see, feel, and hold, something you can own, manage, and control. After all, most ancient Israelites didn't think they were turning away from God when they worshipped at other altars. They just, you know, figured, what could it hurt? To have this other God too, you know, just in case, like the neighbors do. The most common cause of turning away from God isn't selfishness or greed, but fear that God isn't enough and that God can't guarantee that we are enough to get through the challenges that are before us. I don't think youth workers are alone in the struggles they're facing. Over the past few years, there have been so many changes that have come so very fast in so many aspects of all of our lives. I could list them, but I think you already know and can probably think of several of your own. And in these times, it's easy to wonder, what do we have to hold on to? What do we have left that we can count on? How do we keep our feet on ever-shaking ground? What do we have to fund, buy, program, or build to keep us from going the way that we don't want to go and to keep us going the way that we think we should? How do we not turn into that fear and let it envelop us? Choose life, says the scriptures, so that you and your descendants may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him, for that means life to you. What in the real world does that mean? Like I said before, the theme for last week's conference for youth workers was enough. Through the workshops, music, and speakers, participants were reminded that God has promised that each of them is enough. As human and as frail and as faulty as we are, God chooses each of us for a purpose. It might not be a very big or flashy purpose, but there is a purpose. And our purpose is not to fund buy, program, and build, not to hold up the world on our own strength, and not to save it either because Jesus did that already. But to remember that the vision for this world and for this church is God's and not ours. It's our job to pray and to listen and to follow and to guide others to do the same, all the while knowing that God has given us enough to do just that. It was a message I didn't even know I needed to hear. Usually, since I'm working the event, I don't go to the workshops and sessions. The main stage events are usually my only break during the day when everybody else is occupied in the main ballroom and I get a chance to just sit and breathe. But on Sunday night, I just happened to get a text 
from Judy, Julie Hobart, our beloved music director. And when I called her, she let me know that she was leaving, retiring from worship music in two weeks. And I have to admit that I panicked and immediately started thinking of every possible worst case scenario. What are we going to do now? How am I going to help fill this gap? What new tasks will I have to pick up? What will be expected of me? Do I have enough time, enough patience, enough skills? And because I needed a distraction from my own thoughts, I went into the general session that night and listened. I sang music with everybody else in that room that reminded us that God's grace is not earned and does not depend on our own abilities. I heard Bishop Layla Ortiz of the Metropolitan Washington, D.C. Synod remind us that Scripture promises us that God's got us. And we are enough. And we have enough. And to also keep in mind that we are not God. Because after all, clinging to the belief that I should be able to do everything and do it alone is also to turn to myself and to make an idol out of myself and to turn away from the Lord my God. When the Old Testament speaks of life and death, it's not referring to some sort of spiritual life after we die, but the quality of life now, here on earth. And God calls us each day to make a choice. Choose life. Choose abundance. Choose security that only God can give. And it's a scary thing to trust that you are enough. Not enough to do everything, but enough to do your thing. Enough to be what God created you to be. Enough to rely on others to be what God created them to be. Enough to rely on God to put it all together and do the rest. Enough to learn that what we think of, of as prosperity is not always goodness, Enough to acknowledge that a time of adversity does not always bring evil. This is what choosing life is all about. Choosing to trust in something outside of ourselves. Choosing to go forward, knowing that God can see the path even when we can't. Choosing not to hold tight, hold fast, hold back, but to stay open, stay free, stay abundant. This is the choice that each of us faces every day. And this is also the choice that Bethel Lutheran Church has to make as this community looks forward towards the future. Do we trust that God is always with us in our space? Can we know that God has given us what we need, even in times when all we can see is what we've lost? Will we accept the life and goodness and whatever prosperity that God has in store, even if it doesn't look like what we expect or think we want? With those questions, I'm going to close with a blessing. It's from a book of prayers that was written and assembled by pastors from different denominations during the pandemic. The name of the book is Creating Space, a prayer book for peace in times of crisis and chaos. And this prayer is titled, A Blessing for Creating Space as We Go Into the Unknown, which I think fits our congregation and a lot of us individually pretty well right now. So... Hear this blessing. Go ahead with a heart to be the church in the threshold between the past and the future. Move with ease, knowing the love of the Lord is yours. 
Go ahead with a soul to be centered in prayer and scripture. Move with spiritual practices that will reveal the path. Go ahead with a mind to ask hard questions, knowing the God of our ancestors is with us. Move knowing that we are part of an ancient faith that will not end here. Go ahead with strength to seek out strong partners across traditions, worldviews, ethnicities, and seasons of life. Move with the kinship of others on this same journey, seeking justice and reconciliation. Go ahead. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is the way forward as followers of Jesus. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And with that, here are a couple of announcements for those of you that will be around this week. We've got a lot coming up, especially since Lent is going to start in a week and a half from when I'm recording this. We've got Bible studies on Wednesday mornings at 11 o'clock at Bethel every single week, except, of course, Ash Wednesday, because we'll have a noon service. Martha Circle will be not this Tuesday, but Tuesday the 21st. The, the men's group, the King's Men, will meet in the Fellowship Hall this Wednesday, February, what is that, the 15th at 6.30 p.m. They're delaying it a day. It's usually on Tuesdays, but they uh, figured they'll be in hot water if they do it on Valentine's Day. Speaking of which, I hope you have a good Valentine's Day, whether you have a specific Valentine or not. You can always buy yourself candy. That's what I do. And then next week, to before we kick off Ash Wednesday, we're going to have the annual men's pancake breakfast. I hear there's something special, and so I'm really excited to taste that for the first time next week. And then starting on Wednesday, February 22nd, we're having heading into Lent, and we're going to be partnering with Hope Lutheran Church in Atascadero, where we will have an Ash Wednesday service at noon. They'll have one at seven at their church, and then during the midweek services throughout Lent, we're going to be switching back and forth. So each church will take turns hosting and providing the soups for a soup supper at six, and then having a Holden evening prayer service at seven. And those should be pretty cool because you're going to have three different pastors with three very different pastoral styles. You'll have intern me, you'll have Pastor Russ, and you'll have Pastor Aaron Smith from Hope Lutheran Church. And we're all very different and I'm excited to hear how this is going to go. It's going to be awesome, no matter what it is. So stay tuned for that. Um, and Pastor Russ will be here next week with his sermon. So take care, blessings, and may God be with you all this week. Thanks for listening. <music>